Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Resolute Forest Products First Quarter 2020 Earnings Conference Call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. If you would like to queue up for a question, please lift your phone receiver and press star, followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. In order to withdraw your question, please press the pound sign. Please note that this call is being recorded today, Thursday, April 30th, 2020, at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. I would now like to turn the meeting over to Mr. Remy Lalonde, Senior Vice President and Chief Financial Officer. Please go uh, ahead, you, Mr. Lalonde. Thank you, Operator, and good morning, everybody. Welcome to Resolute's first quarter earnings call. You can follow along with the slides for today's presentation by logging onto the webcast using the link in the presentations and webcasts page under the Investor Relations section of our website, and you can download the slides. Today's presentation will include non-U.S. GAAP financial information. Our press release and the appendix to the slides include a reconciliation of non-GAAP information to U.S. GAAP financial measures. We will also make forward-looking statements. Forward-looking information is based on our current assumptions, beliefs, and expectations, all of which involve a number of business risks and uncertainties and can change as conditions do. Please review the cautionary statements in our press release and on slide two of today's presentation. Uh, and I will turn the call over to Yves Lassam, President and Chief Executive Officer. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. We reported $32 million of adjusted EBITDA in the first quarter compared to $4 million in the fourth. The first quarter's results reflect the momentum in market prices for lumber that began late in 2019, as well as lower maintenance costs in pulp and paper, which were offset in part by lower newsprint prices. By segment, we reported quarterly adjusted EBITDA of $3 million in market pulp up by $15 million from the fourth quarter, $6 million for tissue, up by $2 million, $16 million for wood products, up by 12 break-even for newsprint, a reduction of $7 million, and $40 million in specialty papers, up by $4 million from the previous quarter. While we continue to operate across all of our business segments, we've had to take a number of measures in the face of the dramatic reduction in economic activity due to coronavirus pandemic, such as reducing our operational footprint to demand levels consistent with essential needs, drawing our credit facilities to keep higher levels of cash, reducing SGNA expenses, and suspending our differing capital spending. Through February, global demand for chemical pulp was 7% higher, reflecting a 13% increase in demand for hardwood and no change for softwood, but operating rates average 92% for softwood and 78% for hardwood. Producers and inventories at the end of February stayed within a normal range, 46 days for hardwood and 34 days for softwood. 
our shipment volumes were 10,000 10, metric tons higher in the quarter, due mostly to the timing of the Saint Felicien annual outage in Q4. Against our earlier expectations, the average transaction price slipped by $16 per metric ton as the pandemic created more uncertainty in demand, starting in China against what were gradually improving market conditions. But now again, we see resilient global demand as higher quality tissue demand outpaces the reduction in printing and writing end users, which makes us cautiously optimistic for sustained volume and improving pricing. After two negative quarters, EBITDA in the segment improved to $3 million. Finished goods inventory remained low to the, first quarter, the, the third consecutive quarter, ending at 69,000 metric tons. Total tissue consumption was unchanged to February compared to the same period last year, but that means little considering the changes we've seen since March as the impact of the pandemic shook up consumption patterns with a significant increase in, in at-home demand and a corresponding decrease in away from home. Our old tissue business is progressing well in the context of disrupted consumer demand and supply chains which has opened opportunities for Resolute to demonstrate our products and capabilities as we grow our customer base and improve our customer mix. Accordingly, our shipments grew by 22% in the quarter and our inventory is down to only 5,000 short tons. With the $15 per short tons improvement in the average transaction price and our lower cost in the segment, EBITDA was $6 million in the quarter. U.S. housing sales have raised $1.5 million on a seasonally adjusted basis in the first quarter, up by 21% compared to the first quarter of last year. This reflects an 11% increase in single-family stars and a 45% increase in multi-family stars. The segment EBITDA improved to $16 million in the quarter thanks to the $29 per thousand board feet increase in average transaction price and 53 million board feet increase in shipments, despite rate blockades in Canada and the economic fallout of the unfolding coronavirus pandemic. Excluding our recently acquired U.S. Samias, we recorded about 70 million board feet of downtime in the quarter, consistent with the second half of 2019. On February 1st, we closed on our acquisition of three Samias in the U.S. South, cross-city Florida, and Ledwood and El Dorado in Arkansas for $175 million, including estimated walking capital. The integration of this new site got off to a good start, with, the new, with new samples contributing about $2 million to segment EBITDA in the quarter. We are making plans to bring El Dorado online early in 2021, subject to market conditions. Even as the lingering uncertainty of 2019 gave way to much stronger housing starts, the negative momentum of the unfolding pandemic made for shortly recovery in market conditions. As of today, we are operating to about 85% of run rate capacity, excluding our U.S. summit. But projections for the near-term impact on housing starts in the current environment are sobering, and it could force us to take further measures. On the other hand, we expect wood products to play a key role 
in the economic recovery as policymakers encourage an aggressive res resumption of construction activity. And even today, we, are, we see surprisingly strong demand from the repair and remodeling segment. North American demand for uncoded mechanical papers contracted by 14% in the first quarter compared to the same period last year, reflecting a 20% drop in supercalendar grades and 8% for standard grades. Compared to the first quarter of 2019, the shipment capacity ratio for all uncoded mechanical papers was unchanged at 84%. The average transaction price slipped by $15 per short term in the quarter, mostly reflecting weakness in supercalendar grades. Our quarter-over-quarter shipments, however, were unchanged against the seasonally stronger fourth quarter and inventory rose to 49,000 short terms. North American news brand demand fell by 12% in the first quarter compared to the same period last year. Demand from newspaper publishers fell by 15%, while demand from commercial printers was down by 8%. The North American shipments to capacity ratio was 86% and falling in the current challenging environment. Global demand for newsprint was down by 12% through February, and the world newsprint shipments to capacity ratio was 78%. As a result, the average transaction price slipped by a further $36 per metric ton in the quarter, with most of the weakness coming in the offshore markets. Shipment volumes were down by 11,000 metric tons, and finished goods inventory was unchanged. The focus in our paper business will continue to be to maximize cash generation. While there are opportunities, even in the current environment, some areas, particularly newsprint, will likely come under stronger pressure. I will now have Remy discuss our financial performance. Thank you, Eve. Uh, we reported a net loss of $29 million in the first quarter, or 33 cents per share, excluding special items. This compares to a net loss excluding special items of $53 million or 59 cents per share in the previous quarter and net income excluding special items of $30 million or 32 cents per diluted share in Q1 last year. Minus $28 million of special items in the first quarter include other income from foreign exchange translation and non-operating pension and OPEB credits. Our total sales in the first quarter were $689 million, up by $21 million from the fourth quarter. This reflects the capacity addition from the recently acquired U.S. sawmills, an 8% increase in the price of lumber, and a 22% increase in tissue shipments, all of which were partly offset by weaker pricing and shipments in the newsprint segment. Our manufacturing costs decreased by $31 million in the quarter on a comparable basis after removing the impact of volume and the write-down of inventory following the Q4 idling of the Augusta newsprint mill. Compared to the fourth quarter, the all-in delivered cost for market pulp fell by $68 per metric ton, or 10%, on lower maintenance spending and the timing of the Saint-Félicien outage in Q4. Accordingly, market pulp EBITDA improved to $3 million. The delivered cost in tissue fell by $66 per short ton in the quarter, or 4%, mostly reflecting the sales volume impact, leading to a $2 million improvement in EBITDA to $6 million. 
In the wood product segment, the delivered cost was essentially unchanged, but with the 8% increase in transaction prices, EBITDA in the segment improved by $12 million to $16 million. Newsprint's delivered cost was $16 per metric ton lower in the quarter, or 3%, due to lower maintenance, maintenance costs and, and sorry, due to lower maintenance and costs avoided with the closure of Augusta. But with the lower average transaction price, EBITDA fell to break even. The delivered cost in specialty papers fell by $40 per short ton, or 6%, due to lower maintenance costs and higher generation from internal power assets, which, despite the lower average transaction price in paper, helped to improve EBITDA by $4 million to $14 million. We used $49 million of cash for operating activities in the quarter, including a $31 million increase in roundwood inventory ahead of the spring breakup. We also made $21 million of capital expenditures compared to $113 million for all of 2019. To help manage liquidity in the months ahead, we're trimming our 2020 capital spending expectations down to $90 million, including capital to be invested in the recently acquired U.S. sawmills. We previously guided to roughly $115 million, excluding the U.S. sawmills. We made $15 million in softwood lumber duty deposits in the quarter, bringing our total deposits to $177 million, which is recorded in other assets on the balance sheet. The $372 million increase in total debt on the balance sheet reflects a draw of $180 million from our existing term loan facility to finance the acquisition of the U.S. sawmills, an injection of over $120 million from existing credit facilities as a preventive measure in mid-March to build an immediately available cash cushion of liquidity, and an inflow of roughly $70 million from existing facilities to support short-term working capital requirements. The term loans we use to finance the acquisition of the U.S. sawmills have 10-year maturity and carry a floating rate of interest of about 2% as of today, net of the expected patronage dividend. The ABL credit facility also carries a floating rate of interest of about 2%. Our cash balance at quarter end was $116 million for net debt of 705. Our liquidity also remains strong at $349 million. Finally, we contributed $23 million to pension plans in the quarter, and we made OPEB payments of $3 million, with a combined expense of $8 million included in adjusted EBITDA. While contributions payable for the year are $112 million in pension and $13 million of OPEB, we expect to take advantage of the recently announced measures under the U.S. stimulus bill to defer up to $34 million of U.S. contributions to January 1, 2021. Accordingly, our pension contributions for 2020 will be approximately $80 million and $13 million in OPEC. 
$117 million reduction in net pension and OPEB liability on the balance sheet reflects the impact of the weaker Canadian dollar and payments made in the quarter. Considering the sudden and precipitous reduction in equity markets and falling Treasury rates in the quarter, if the year were to end on March 31, we would expect the funding ratio on an accounting basis and on a funding basis to have widened, which would imply higher contributions in the future. But we will conduct that assessment only at year end in accordance with applicable accounting and pension funding rules. Eve? Yep, thank you, Remy. Uh, Governments across North America have recognized the importance of the forest product sector in the fight against the coronavirus pandemic. Resolute manufactured a number of key products, including lumber for infrastructure, now and in the economic recovery to come, pulp for personal care products, food protective papers and medical supplies used by our healthcare professionals on the front lines, bad tissue and paper towels to meet our basic needs for painless and comfort and newsprint and other papers helping keep us all informed. <coughs> As we navigate these highly uncertain times, our short-term priorities will be focused on the following. Operating our assets in accordance with rigorous protocols around health and safety, including special measures we've put in place to minimize the spread of the virus at all of our locations. Closely managing sources of liquidity and developing opportunities to access additional liquidity should it be required. Working with all levels of government in the regions where we operate to support a speedy economic recovery. Closely monitoring the growing risk around traded exposures with some of our customers. Advocating with regulators to minimize the risk of rising pension contribution should financial markets remain depressed and interest rates low. Adjusting capacity dynamically based on rapidly changing conditions and keeping tight control on SG&E expenses and controlling capital spending. These are obviously unprecedented times. Before we complete this morning's call, I would like to recognize our employees, contractors, and suppliers. Our people have risen to the challenge. With some operations idle, hundreds of people are directly or financially impacted. But across the company, they all have remained committed to a job well done. They are loyal and hardworking. They recognize the importance of their role in providing our customers with essential products. And in spite of the pressures of work and family during these difficult days, they have remained focused on world-class health and safety practices and remain engaged in their communities. We see countless acts of kindness and solidarity from volunteering time and financial and in-kind donations. Our people are truly our greatest asset. They are making a difference every day and on behalf of the board of directors and executive team, I want to publicly thank them. This concludes our formal presentation. Operator, we will now open the call for questions. As a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone keypad. To withdraw your question, please press the pound key. Please, let's pause for a moment to compare the Q&A roster. 
Your first question comes from the line of Sean Stewart of TD Securities. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Thank you. Good morning. A um, couple of questions. You, you referenced the, the dynamic downtime approach you're taking. I'm wondering if you can provide a, a little bit of detail across the, the business segments with respect to the amount of downtime taken during April and how that's trending into May for each of the segments as well. Okay, so uh, good morning, from Sean. First of all, the uh, as far as the downtime has been uh, been taken, it's, uh, if we go to new sprint, uh, we've taken the uh, downtime at our Pecomo uh, new sprint mill, which is about uh, it's not about but it's two machines. Uh, it's close to a hundred thousand pounds uh, on a yearly basis. Uh, two hundred thousand pounds, sorry. And uh, then we uh, took as well uh, the last uh, four weeks or uh, two weeks, and we had, we uh, informed the mill yesterday for another four weeks the uh, Amos uh, new spread mill, which is uh, one machine but close to it, the equivalent as volume. So uh, those are temporary downtime for now. Uh, on the uh, CPP grade, uh, we took about uh, a month of downtime, four weeks of downtime our downbow. SC mill. Uh, they restarted on Monday uh, till at least the next uh, the next uh, all day we're going to have in June. And we also uh, took a machine down in, uh, in uh, Alma, uh, which is about uh, 70,000 tons per, per year on that, uh, that paper. Uh, other than that, uh, uh, you know, we're on the paper side and pulp side, we're running pretty much uh, full operation. Uh, on the on the uh, on the lumber side, uh, we keep uh, we took a, a stud mill, few stud mills down in the fourth quarter because of the big spread between the uh, you know as you uh, you saw between stud and random. So the Santa Ana sawmill uh, is down, but the volume of logs been moved to a random mill, which is very close as uh, as facility. And uh, we cut a shift in one of our random mills in Girardville. We had Contois Mill in Quebec as well. A stud mill has been down for two months now. Uh, the English sawmill in northwestern Ontario was down, and uh, you know was down earlier, so still still down. Uh, that's pretty much what we have in uh, in lumber. We took two weeks, additional two weeks, in the in the Bicomo, uh, sawmills in line with the uh, downtime of the paper mill. Uh, then we restarted uh, about two weeks ago. Chips, chips be moved to uh, our thermal and new spread mill. So, uh, other than that, uh, that's pretty much it. On the uh, it's represented about, I think it's something like uh, 20, you know, yeah, 20 all, 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 all mixed together, paper size about 25% of our paper capacity. That's great detail. Thanks, Eve. Uh, Remy, uh, a question on the balance sheet. You referenced the lower capex and the, the pension deferrals in the U.S. Can you go through some of the other levers you have to pull with respect to um, supporting the, the liquidity position? And I'm thinking of things like seasonal working cap declines through the second and third quarters, uh, property tax deferrals. I'm not yeah. sure if there's any stumpage deferrals on deck in eastern Canada. Any thoughts there with respect to other measures? Yeah, so uh, and just maybe to begin, uh, Sean, our liquidity is starting from a pretty good position at $350 million as of, uh, as of quarter end. 
Uh, and so there's there's some opportunities we think uh, to be worked on. Uh, nothing to uh, to announce at this time. But uh, in terms of how things are evolving, we talked about the 34 million dollar deferral on uh, on pension, uh, which is helpful. Uh, the first quarter is also pretty significant in terms of working capital consumption, so we expect that to uh, to reverse over the course of uh, over, the, over the course of the year. Uh, the deferral of capital spending is going to reduce about $30 million in spending. Uh, there are programs that have been announced by uh, by provinces to defer uh, some payments under the harvesting programs, but that's mostly within uh, within the existing year. Um, and uh, and then the other programs you talked about deferring property taxes, that to, those tend to be a little bit uh, a little bit smaller. So that that pretty much covers what we uh, what we're working on, Sean. Okay. Thanks, Remy. Uh, that's all I have for now. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Hamir Patel of CIBC Capital Markets. Your line is open. Hi, good morning. Eva, can you give us a sense as to uh, how much uh, graphic paper and uh, newsprint demand uh, is, is down year over year in, in April? And uh, would you expect things to be uh, even worse in, in, in May? Yeah, so uh, we see the uh, in what we have as a number. Uh, we saw the trend in the first quarter. Newsprint was about I think 15 percent or so. Uh, but you know, since the pandemic, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we had to close capacity that wasn't expected, uh, which represented about 25 percent of our paper business. Uh, on the uh, newsprint side, uh, you know, and even on the, on the CPB side. We feel that there is probably another 10 to 15 uh, percent more right now than uh, you know we were expecting. Uh, the question about that, of course, is uh, going forward uh, when the there uh, is uh, some business coming back, uh, how much going to come back on the, on the paper side? So uh, we expect, as far as advertising on the SC as an example, and uh, you know the more specialty papers, uh, hopefully. Uh, you know, some business is going to come back, but it's hard to see and to say how much, uh, uh, you know, how much is going to come back. Uh, I would say, uh, to answer your question more precisely, uh, of course, you know, uh, April is, is one of the, you know, uh, after March, probably the most effective on the paper side. Uh, we don't see May necessarily doing any better, so we hope to have some, uh, some business coming back. On the newsprint side, is uh, it's more complicated since... Uh, you know, the overseas, the overseas market has been struggling a lot. And, uh, you know, this part of the, the, the paper business, you know, even before, as you, you know, uh, we already took uh, our August uh, Georgia mill down because of the lack of demand. So the question is how much of new sprint uh, is going gonna, is gonna to be back. So uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes, you know, but uh, we, don't, we don't feel that uh, we don't feel that everything is going to be back. But some of it we would expect. Great. Uh, thank you. That, that's helpful. And, and can you give us a sense as to maybe how product pricing for, for newsprint and, and graphic papers has trended since uh, the end of the quarter? Uh, you know, if you're looking at it, if you're talking about uh, newsprint, of course, as I said, it's uh, the offshore market is really, really bad, so we're just pretty quiet right now on the shipments to the U.S. Uh, to give you a precise price, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to say that it's been down almost every week, so it depends on the market you are in. 
on the uh, CPB, so about the same thing, you know, with, uh, I don't have precise number to give you right now as far as uh, how much the market is going down per, per ton or something like that, but it's definitely, uh, you know, not on the right side of it. Okay, thanks. And, and even your, your comments, you, you mentioned R&R uh, &R, uh, had been strong. Was that uh, uh, in relation to what you're seeing out of your Canadian operations or from the one uh, U.S. sawmill that you have operating today? Well, you sure we see, we see that on two, two different ways, you know. We, uh, we have contracts with home centers, uh, even, you know, on value-added, like uh, foreign strips, you know, kind of, of business. And, uh, you know, in lumber as well for our uh, Canadian operation. And we've seen the demand, uh, you know, kind of going pretty good and uh, even sometimes stronger on different products. Uh, so uh, with direct sales, which is a pretty good measure to measure the demand on those uh, on that business. On the U.S. side, it's more on the, uh, you know, as you know, we're, we're producing uh, decking. So and uh, we see a pretty good uh, demand for, uh, you know, decking going to the treated business. So and this is saying that as we as we speak we can see that uh, even since the downtime of the coronavirus those businesses have been pretty good okay, great and uh, just a final one for me uh, Remy uh, um, if you know if we have a prolonged uh, uh, period of, of market weakness uh, you know you've already indicated the sort of run rate capex has been reduced by 30 percent is there still room to carry that back further if, if need be well, you know, as you know, uh, Amir, we're a pretty capital-intensive business, so it takes about 70 to $80 million to keep the lights on. So, yes, we could compress CapEx a little bit, uh, but beyond that, we're not doing ourselves any long-term favors. Fair, fair enough. Uh, great. That's, uh, that's all I had. I'll, I'll turn it over. Thanks. Thanks, Amir. Your next question comes from the line of Paul Quinn of RBC Capital Markets. Your line is open. Sure, thanks very much. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Frank Paul. Hey, just some clarification on the wood product side. I, I think you mentioned uh, the the EBITDA contribution from the newly acquired U.S. South Mills was $2 million for the two months. Is that right? Correct. That's correct, yeah. Okay, and, and maybe you could just outline the shifting of those mills currently. The ships we're operating at. Yeah, we're we, we operating cross city Florida, you know, as they were two ships, pretty full, I would say. And a uh, big part of it, as I said earlier, is is, more, is decking, which is pretty good right now. So we're pretty pleased with what we're doing with, uh, with that mill. Uh, we had, uh, you know, when we made the acquisition, Lenwood, Arkansas was running on the, Sawmill was running on the one ship and a half. So uh, our goal was to restart the, or completing the, the second ship. Uh, we're still uh, working on it. What we're looking at right now is more having a swing shift between the planar mills on two ship and then going running the sawmills on two ship because of the pandemic, you know, and training and everything is a little more complicated. But uh, we're pretty pleased with the result of that mill as well, and we see good opportunities. And uh, the integration is going well. And uh, El Dorado, as you know, is down, but we're still uh, forecasting to, uh, you know, to restart at the beginning of 2021. Depends on the market, of course, the demand. But uh, our plan has pretty well aligned on the other direction as well. So this is the situation for now. Okay, great. Thanks. Thanks for that. And then uh, just switching to market pulp here, I was surprised at the price drop um, at $16 quarter over quarter. You know, given where I saw you know most of the benchmark prices moving, maybe you could give us an outline of, of where your pulp is going regionally. 
and and any you know mix shift for that you know that explains that uh, that price drop. Yeah. So uh, as we said, you know the uh, market in the first quarter was not as expected, and uh, we have different mix of pulp. You know we have uh, southern pulp, you know, and uh, hardwood and softwood in Cabot, Tennessee. We have the fluff pulp and uh, you know in Alabama. And of course, we, we do have the, the uh, softwood pulp in San Vicente. We have a mix of hardwood and softwood pulp in, 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 uh, in Thunder Bay. So uh, we have some, uh, you know, hardwood a bit tougher, I would say. And uh, it's the mix of the whole thing. Same thing about the, the fluff pulp. It doesn't been as good as it was supposed to be. But the good news is the outlook, as you heard, that uh, we're pretty optimistic about uh, what's going on right now. Including on the fluff ball and the our camel meal uh, has been much better on the pop side and even better since we have a better mix with uh, doing more softwood right now. So, but this is what explains pretty much what happened in the uh, in the first quarter. Maybe Remy, I don't know if you have more details on the pricing itself, but yeah. that's pretty much my yeah, that pretty much covers it. It was across the grades, yeah. yeah. All right, and then just lastly on tissue, maybe you could give us an idea that the split that you've got between consumer and the away from home in terms of uh, sales, and then how's the ramp at uh, Calhoun's progressing? So most of the business uh, is focused on uh, on retail. Everything out of Calhoun is uh, retail, so that's about, call it 60, 65,000 tons a year. The Florida mills are largely away from home with a portion of retail in there. Uh, as far as how the segment is doing, uh, the, the tissue machine in Calhoun is producing very well in the last uh, two quarters. Uh, as we've indicated in the past, our priorities there were to uh, improve the converting uh, operations, and we're making some encouraging progress uh, there. And the other thing that we were talking about also is improving customer mix. So the reality of the last couple months is that it's given us opportunities as there are more customers looking to fill up uh, store shelves, particularly on the retail side. It's given us opportunities to get into those, uh, some of those places and demonstrate uh, the quality of our product and our, and our abilities to support it. So it's, it's been pretty positive. We pointed out there was a 22% increase in shipments, and our inventories today on the tissue side are, are very low. All right. Best of luck. Thanks, guys. Thank you. There are no further questions at this time. I turn the call back over to the presenters. Good. Thank you, everybody, for joining today. Have a good day. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.